gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 175 of the podcast that was originally recorded on August 26th of 2017. Some of the games I played this past week, some Outpost Siberia, a little Saikatsu, some Stop Thief, and a little book game of Ex Libris. Enjoyed them all, a little spoiler alert. Other than that, I talked about a few things that I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now, and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. This is episode 175 of the podcast. Thank you for joining me. As always, you can send some emails to whatimplayingnow at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on BoardGameGeek. We have a guild over there. We are guild number 2440 on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us at What I'm Playing Now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say, on Facebook. Just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. And our YouTube channel, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. We are youtube.com slash what I'm playing now. All right. It is Saturday evening. I'm recording this because Sunday, it seems like there's going to be quite a few things going on besides possible work. So I wanted to knock this out today and hopefully we can get our Twitch stream live tomorrow. I know this is supposed to be actually starting about the time I'm recording this, but my player two, my wife is actually downstairs asleep on the couch currently because she's been working so much the past week. So we are actually going to postpone today's Twitch stream, Twitch stream until tomorrow afternoon when we're going to knock that one out. And I believe we're going to play some Stop Thief. But let's jump into a few of the games I played this past week. I'm going to talk about a few of the things we did last week for Gen Cant. I'm going to talk about a few of the things that I actually played down at my local game store this past week. And then, of course, as always, we're going to wrap up the show with a few things that I want to play. So let's start out with what I'm playing now. One of the first games we played last week for Gen Cant, since we were not able to go to Gen Con this year. IDW sent us a few games. We would definitely like to thank them for that. And the first game is a co-op game. And surprisingly, this is a game that I actually played with my wife. And if you've listened to the podcast previously, you know my wife is not a huge fan normally of co-ops. But this is one she actually really liked. And that is Outpost Siberia. This is a cooperative game where you're basically trying to stay alive, being stranded in an outpost in Siberia in the dead of winter. And if you can survive, you win the game. If you one player dies, the game essentially ends. And the couple of times we did play it last week for Gen Cant, uh, we were doing our Twitch stream last week. Uh, we we did die. We did not make it alive. It is. We were even trying to play the easy version of the game, which was still rather tricky. We were having trouble just keeping the two of us alive. I think. The game might play a little bit better with more people because maybe there's a little bit more opportunity to try to keep other players alive. But um, I don't know. I wanted to try to play this down at my local game store this past week. We didn't get a chance to. Hopefully, maybe the next week or so, I will be able to say how a higher player count actually plays through. But with two players, it plays fine. It's just very difficult. On your turn, you're going to draw two cards. You're going to keep one of the cards in your hand. You're going to discard one of the cards to the supply. And then you can attack a threat. If there's a threat out in the area, you can use a piece of equipment. If not, you then have to flip over an expedition card where you're actually going to 
either have a threat or uh, possibly experience something that you may have to deal with that could be either good or bad. And then you're going to have to kind of work together to see how you're going to use the equipment that's out in front of you when you're going to be healing each other. It's nice that you actually get to choose which player goes first at the beginning of a round because we were trying to judge our life that way. So if I was up with two points of health and my wife was down to one, we would let me go first. So, or we would let her go first. So this way, if she actually pulled a threat card, I was the one to get attacked and I was the one that would get damaged. So you really got to kind of watch things that way. But once you get a couple of threats out that actually have some of the higher um, hit point counts on them, wow, was it kind of tricky to actually try to just knock them out, especially when you might get something a little smaller coming out at you that could start taking away water or food from your supply area. So you want to try to keep your supplies as stocked up as much as possible. But when you're running into some of these cards, you're going to have to just start burning through those supplies that you kind of have saved up. So judging when you want to take damage, when you're going to be healing each other is definitely a really tricky thing. The cards were definitely against us in both of the games we played of this one. And I was really surprised because like I said, as for those of you listeners who listen to the podcast regularly, we all know my, my wife is not a huge fan of co-ops. After we were done with the first one, she actually said, let's try this one again. She goes, I want to give it another shot. So we tried again. We did a little bit better. better. We got a little further, um, but we still got kind of just just overwhelmed by some of the threats, and we just weren't able to clear them out. And some of the threats, once they actually come out and attack you, some of them you really don't have to worry about. We were worrying and concentrating more on the ones that actually had an effect that was going off at the end of the round. All of them that come out actually will attack you, but some of them don't have a recurring uh, effect that the, that you're going to have to deal with at the end of the round. So those are the ones we were concentrating on, the ones that had the effect at the end of the round. And even concentrating that and doing that, uh, we were still unable to survive and keep both of us alive. Because like I said, once one of you perishes, uh, the game essentially ends for both of you. So definitely want to try this one at higher player counts. We're going to try this game a couple of more times and give it the old college try to see if we can actually overcome and survive Outpost Siberia. But wow, is it a tough co-op game? And if these are the type of puzzle games, and that's what I kind of consider this because you're kind of working your way through a puzzle. You're trying to manage your resources, your equipment that you have in front of you. You're trying to manage your health. You're trying to figure out what cards to play when, what cards to maybe hold back. Sometimes it could be a guessing game because you never really know what's going to be flip coming over from the top of that one deck. So you kind of just have to kind of go with the flow. So really fun game. We really liked it. And that is Outpost Siberia from IDW Games. Another game that IDW sent us was Saikatsu. This was an ex this was just an incredible game. I was really surprised. The components in this game are really top-notch. The board is just really colorful and nice. And on the box, it says this is a game of perspectives. And it really is because the board is set up for three players to play against each other. And you're going to be scoring columns based on your side of the board and based on the way the side of the board that you're sitting on. And each person has kind of like a look in through the board that they're going to be able to see in, in the the board is going to be scored differently from every side that a player is sitting on as far as the board goes. The game was extremely simple to learn, but there's a lot of strategy to this one. On your turn, you're going to start off with two chips in your two tokens in your hand or chips, I guess you could say. And the 
they are very, very nice tiles. I guess we should, we should say they are tiles. You're going to place a tile down on the board, and you're going to be then scoring the bird symbols that are on there. If you're able to actually score or actually put down a bird next to another bird that looks similar or is the same in color to the one you do, you will score the tile you put down and then any adjacent ones that match the color. And you're going to keep doing this till the whole board is full. Once the whole board is full, you're then going to go around the table and basically score all the different flowers that are on the different tiles. There's going to be four koi fish, I believe they are, that are wild. They could be wild for birds and they could be wild for flowers. The interesting thing is they are only wild for birds for the person who actually put them down. So if I was to place one down next to a green bird, I was able, I'll be able to score that koi fish as well as any green birds that are around there. But then after that, anybody else that puts a, a chip down next to or a tile down next to those koi fish, they are basically, they don't, they don't count as anything. So nobody else is actually going to get to score them during the phase where you're, or during the part of the game where you're putting out all of the tiles onto the board. Now, for each player during the flower phase at the end of the game, when you're scoring the flowers and all of the columns, that tile will actually be random and will match whatever that particular player wants it to be, whoever you're scoring for. So if there is a koi fish out in a column that I want it and I want it to be maybe a purple flower, it could be that for me. But then the player on my left could actually say they want that to be a yellow flower. So it's really interesting the way that scoring goes. And not only do you want to pay attention to, like I was stating, when you're putting down your tiles, the birds that you're going to get to score for, you want to make sure that you're trying to build your columns up that they have as many of a particular type of flower in them as well. So the more flowers in a particular column, the higher your score goes. And it's kind of incremental. It's kind of exponential, I guess you could say, because I believe for um, one flower there, it's one point, but for two, it's like three. For three, it's like six. I think for four, it's 10. And then it goes up to there. I think uh, it goes all the way up to 21. If you're able to get, I think six or so is the highest number that you have. I can't remember if it's six or seven. So, you know, the scores go up incrementally for the flowers, which is really interesting, which can really make the game kind of very strategic because not only are you trying to build up your columns to score the most for you, but you also may want to place a tile in a particular spot to maybe stop somebody from getting so many actual of the same colored flowers in their columns, which I did to my wife a couple of times while we were playing. I saw she was going for a couple for, you know, a real nice column of flowers. So I threw a tile down there that was a different color just to make sure I broke it up just so she actually didn't get more points at the end of the game. So so you have to not only pay attention to what you're trying to build out and what you're scoring from your perspective, but you need to look at what your opponents are doing as well to try to limit them in their scoring abilities as well with the tiles. Excellent game. A lot of fun. It was a blast with two players. I can't wait to try it with three because it seems like three would definitely be a prime amount considering there are three different perspectives on the board that can actually be played from. It does play four players. I did not read the four player part of the rules, so I will have to check that out maybe sometime, but it seems like two or three might be the sweet spot for this. I think you can also play this one solo. So that is Saikatsu from IDW Games. That one we gave a huge thumbs up to, not only for playability, but also just the look of the game. It is just a gorgeous game, and the tiles that you're going to be playing with are just incredible. They have a great feel to them. They're almost like poker chips, and they are, they are just, it's just a lot of fun to play that one.
So those are a couple of the games that we played for Gen Cant. We played a bunch of other games for Gen Cant, and those videos will be up on our YouTube channel. But those are games that I've actually already reviewed before on the podcast, so I'm not going to go through those. There's a couple other games that I do want to talk about that we played down at the local game store. And the first one is Stop Thief from Restoration Games. We played the new version of this. My buddy Dave brought that down there, and he actually showed us that we got our names in the back of the book under playtesters, which I was really surprised with because we did playtest this for Restoration Games very early on. And I thought they had a really great game at the time. And the production quality of this one is superb. I was actually pulling out the original Stop Thief earlier today, reading through some of the rules because this is what I want to stream tomorrow when we do our Twitch stream. I want to play the original Stop Thief and then right after that, play Restoration Games version of Stop Thief and then do a comparison of them. And I will say, after playing their game already, the one time I did at the local game store uh, the other day, it's a lot of fun. I really like the changes that they made to the board. The upgraded graphics on the board are just really nice. They've brought kind of just the whole graphic look of the board up from the 70s up to current day, and it definitely has a much better look and feel to it. Also, not having to roll and move with the dice like you do in the original, the card the cards that you actually get to be able to do your movement and actually have a special ability with is something that's also really interesting. There's each player, you know, each color that they have in the box. I believe there's uh, six different ones in the box or maybe there's four. I can't I think there's six. Um, each one plays differently. And each one has some different abilities to them. You know, there could be one particular color may actually let you, um, go through windows. One of them may let you actually move some free additional spaces when you're out on the street. Some of them have different numbers than each other as far as how movement goes. So I think some of them go up to where they maybe have a 12 card and some of them maybe only go up to a 10 card as far as being able to move spaces in one particular spot. And then everybody has a card that you can actually play that lets you move a couple of spaces and then pick up all those cards back up into your hand. I don't want to say it's like a rest phase, but it does let you return all the cards to your hand. So you can then do those actions you've already played or use those numbers you've already moved again. The app worked perfectly for us. Uh, there was one time we, as we were passing the phone around, somebody hit a button and kind of took us out of the app. The app was re resumed right from where we were at, which we were all freaking out for a second because we were like, oh, crap. Tell us we're going to have to restart the game. But it actually, we went back into the app, we resumed the game, and it was right where we had actually hit the button, and it, which is a, which is spectacular. That's, I'm so glad that they have that feature in there, because I'm sure they probably had found that out in playtesting, that passing a phone around, somebody could hit one button, or somebody could get a phone call, something could happen on these, um, on our smart devices, and it could just completely mess up the game. So that was something that was definitely a saving grace. Uh, the meeples that you use are really nice wooden meeples that actually look differently. They not only have different colors, on them or their different color code, you know, that match the cards. They're actually painted a little differently and it gives you a little bit different of a feel for each of the different colors and everybody kind of just looks a little different. So you kind of feel like you're playing, you know, your own type of character. It's not like in the original game where all the miniatures were exactly the same, just different colors. You know, everybody had the same stance. Everybody had the same look. Uh, so, you know, it was, it's just, there's just enough differences in this newer game that just kind of give it that touch that you can tell this is a newer style game. It's not something that was mass produced, like that was done back in the seventies. And 
It's just a lot of fun. I will say we had a great time playing it. We were able to, I was actually able to catch a thief one time. I did not win the game, but um, I might've come in second maybe. Uh, but it was, it was just a great time. You're moving, you're using the cards, like I said, to move around the board. You're trying to, you know, deductively figure out where the thief is at the beginning. Listen to the different sounds that they're making as they're moving through the board, figuring out and basically pinpointing where they're at at a particular location, making the arrest. And Stop Thief, I have a feeling, is going to be a great seller for restoration games. And I actually can't wait to get a few of their other games that are coming out. And yes, Downforce is one of the games I am talking about right there. So that's Stop Thief from Restoration Games. And then after that, we visited a little library of books, Ex Libris. And this game is from Renegade Game Studios. Wow, this is a really interesting worker placement game. And one of the nice things about this worker placement game is the game is going to play different every time. Not only are you going to be randomly picking a character at the beginning of the game and all of the characters have a different special ability that you can use during the game, but the different locations that you're going to be sending your workers to while you're playing the game vary throughout the game. And in each round, one of those locations, the lowest numbered of the locations, will actually stay into play. So on a turn, you're going to have three different locations out there that can be, um, that can, you know, you can visit and actually take actions on with your workers. Two of those locations are going to go away. One of them will stay out, the lowest numbered one. And then another three are going to come out for the next round. You're going to play through the game until somebody has a certain amount of books, I believe, or a certain amount of bookshelves in their tableau in front of them. And that's kind of what you're doing in this game. You're trying to um, collect different bookshelves and build up, build out a tableau in front of you. But one of the things you kind of need to watch for is you need to kind of collect certain books. There's going to be certain books that are on the cards that are going to possibly negatively score at the end of the game. There's going to be some books that will score more at the end of the game because they are the special book for the game. You're also going to have a particular card that you're going to be given at the beginning of the game, which is kind of like your mission or job card, you could say. And these are going to be the type of books you're going to want to try to collect. So it was really easy for us at the end of the game to see what type of books all of us had. I think I had the historical ones, which were yellow, because I must have had at least 10 of those in my tableau. And it's really neat because the way the cards are, a card is going to consist of almost like one little shelf of books, and it can have a certain number, a different different number of books on there, as well as different types of books on there. So it could be two of yellows and then one of the purple books or something like that. Or, you know, it could be almost all yellows. And there's differing numbers of books on there. The bookcases or the shelves, I guess you could say, not only do they have a different letter on them, they have a number as well. So it could be like the letter A, but it could be maybe four of six. So you know there's six of those cards in there. And you want to try to place them as you're placing them from left to right and then building down. You're going to want to make sure that you can successfully go alphabetically and numerically through your bookcase, scoring everything. Because the minute something is out of position in there... So if I have something that's A, A, and then I have like an F, and then I go to B, at the F is where 
the last bookcase is going to score for me. So some of the actions you're actually going to be able to take during the game are swapping these kind of bookshelves around in your tableau. So if you do happen to put something out early in the game and you maybe get something later on in the game that can maybe go in place of that one, you know, you could put that in a different spot of your bookcase and then maybe swap those two around. So you really need to watch where you're putting things and try not to maybe put things, if you can, not too out of order. But sometimes you really can't, you know, there's really nothing you can do. So it's really a game of strategy as far as what you're going to put where. And all of the different um, actions you can take, there are so many of them. There are certain ones where it's almost like an auction. There's ones where you're trading different, you know, being able to swap cards all around drop cards from your hand, and it's just, it's really interesting. Um, I had a really good time with it, and I can't wait to actually get this one to the table again and play this one a couple of more times. We played this as a four-player game, and everybody at the table instantly fell in love with this game, and I have a feeling everybody at the table, besides the my one buddy who actually bought this at Gen Con, will probably be picking this game up once it hits retail, which I believe is supposed to be later on in the next month or so. And that is Ex Libris from Renegade Game Studios, another winner that they have, and Renegade just keeps pumping out some really, really great games. After that, we're going to talk about a few of the things that I want to play now. One of the things besides Stop Thief that I picked up down at my local game store the other day, I picked up the deluxe version of Lisboa, yet another super heavy game added to my collection, and this is one that I really want to do a Saturday stream for. So I can't wait to actually get this one learned, maybe get a couple of plays under our belt before we do this one, because I have a feeling this one's going to be a little trickier to learn. I was watching a few videos on this one the other day and watching a few playthroughs, and there is a lot going on in Lisboa, but it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun and some great strategy is going to be in that game. And I have a feeling we're going to be playing this one down at my local game store as well. So I'm going to be talking about Lisboa probably here very soon as well. One of the other games that has caught my eye that I've really been reading a lot about and looking into is a little game called Wasteland Express Delivery Service. This is in a post-apocalyptic environment. You're going to be doing a lot of delivery type in this game, so you're going to be a lot of picking up and delivery in this game. Uh, but just the whole thing just reminds me of almost like I think it's supposed to have like a Mad Max feel in a board game style, which is something that's right up my alley. I'm a huge Mad Max fan. I love post-apocalyptic post games, and I have a feeling that this Wasteland Express delivery service is something that's right up my alley. I definitely want to give this one a shot, and I have a feeling I'm going to be adding this one to my collection, hopefully very soon, because this one just looks like a hell of a lot of fun. And I think that's going to be it for this podcast. I know we flew through a couple of games there. All of the games I played this past week were just a blast and were just great. I can't say anything bad about any of them. We had a great time with all of them. And hopefully this next week, we are going to be playing more games and hopefully some of the newer games that I kind of want to play. Other than that, as always, send me an email. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on Board Game Guild or over on Board Game Geek. We have a guild over there, guild number 2440. On Twitter and Instagram, follow us at What I'm Playing Now. Don't forget to drop that G like I always say. On Facebook, we are at What I'm Playing Now. Just search for that. On Twitch, it's twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. And on YouTube, you can subscribe to us there at youtube.com slash what I'm playing now. Other than that, 
I'm going to be back next week with some more games played as well as a few things that I kind of want to play. But until then, everybody, you know what to do. Go out there, play some games, and then let me know what you're playing now. Until next week, everybody, have a great week gaming, and I will see you later. Thanks for joining me. Bye-bye.